Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents. Today, we're going to be talking about everyday evangelization. We're here with Dr. Brian Gossard. What are we doing? We're, we're talking about sharing the love of Jesus and being the hands of God to others. That's it. And remember, you are baptized. That means you are called to be an evangelizer. Do it through bringing God's love, bringing his forgiveness in your everyday life. We'll see you soon. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host today, Peter Karutz, and we are live on the radio with Dr. Brian Gossard. Dr. Thank you for coming. Uh, thank you again for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here on and, live radio. And, and let me tell you, we are going to be talking about everyday evangelization. So what, what does one accountant and one doctor know about evangelization? Well, you know, the, the thing that scared me the most on the intro is that they talked about having eloquent speakers. And, and I don't know that e either of us <laughs> qualify for being we're, eloquent speakers. We're in big trouble, big but, trouble. But we got a guy on our side. On our side, we I do. Hope. You know, the, we're the on thing his is, side. if God is for us, who can be against that's us? That's so right. That's that's the most encouraging thing. Um, how about if we start with a prayer? Would that be okay? We better. All right. I'll start with my favorite here. It's a prayer of Saint Faustina, In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> oh God, one in the Holy Trinity, I want to love you as no human soul has ever loved you before. And although I am utterly miserable and small, I have nevertheless cast the anchor of my trust deep down into the abyss of your mercy. In spite of my great misery, I fear nothing but hope to sing you a hymn of glory forever. Let no soul, even the most miserable, fall prey to doubt. For as long as one is alive, each one can become a great saint. So great is the power of God's grace, it remains only for us not to oppose God's action. Lord Jesus, we ask that you help us to love you, to serve you, and to speak your words as you call us to, to, to love others around us, to show them your love and your truth, so that in the process of us becoming saints, that we might help others to become saints. We give you all glory as we pray. Glory be to the Father, Father and to the, the Son, Son and to the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it so was in the, the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world, world without end. Amen. Amen. Father, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Did I ever tell you the time I spoke in front of the ABA National Conference in San Francisco? No, I don't remember So that. I went with one of my partners, and the night before is a big reception. Well, he came with his wife and uh, daughters, but uh, we're at this big reception. You know, we're eating and drinking and having a good time, and his wife and daughter are out here in San Francisco, which is not a safe place. And um, apparently he's, uh, he, he gets back to the hotel and he hears the story. So his... Um, 
his wife and daughter are coming back from, from having dinner in San Francisco, and they're accosted by an armed robber with a gun, pointing it at them and uh, demanding their money and, and whatnot. Well, they, they got the money. And then they got back to the hotel, and there was this big gang shootout over there. Meanwhile, he's over there with me, eating and drinking and enjoying instead of being with his family. So it's scary, right? It's scary. There was another story that same night about another man who was robbed at gunpoint. And so the robber comes up to this this man, all dressed in black, and he demands his wallet. And uh, uh, the Catholic priest says to the robber, he says, well, I'm a Catholic priest. He says, well, give me your wallet. So what the priest did is he sat down on the sidewalk, cross-legged, and said, young man, I think we really should talk. He's sitting on the sidewalk with a gun pointing at his head, and he's smiling at this young man and saying, we need to talk. Evangelization is something very empowering. That man put his gun away, sat down on the sidewalk, and talked. So if, if we're trying to think about the right time to evangelize, or if you're the right person to evangelize, the answer is always yes. And as long as you're saying yes, God's going to empower you. God's going to give you the words, whether they be eloquent or stumbling or bumbling. But keep your heart open, and God will make it right. Well, I think that illustrates a good point. You have to meet people exactly where they are. And if it's yes. while holding a loaded gun at you, then that's where you meet them. That's where they're at. You know, that's where Jesus met his captors. That's where Jesus met other people, and he evangelized them as well. He's our example. And, you know, you love in the face of trial, tribulation, suffering, persecution, you know, no matter what. Now, fortunately, most of the time, that's not going to be the case. You know, you you walk up behind somebody at the grocery store, and you're probably not going to encounter a loaded gun pointed at you. But there are all kinds of opportunities that God may give you. And, and the point is that when we get up in the morning, we need to ask God for those opportunities. He will show us. Uh, Mother Teresa said, you don't have to go looking for the poor somewhere else. Just look to your left and to your right. There's probably someone there that needs to, to know what you have to give or needs what you have to give. Just just to kind of tie up with last time, because yes, I know we please. got we got We talked about the prodigal son last time. A little bit, and we yeah. talked about the, the previous 6,000 or 4,000 years of history before, right. before, before Christ. Uh, you know, for those of you on the radio, you can't see, but I'm holding this Bible timeline uh, that Jeff Cavins has through the Great Adventure. It's basically a timeline of God's history of how he, he fathers his family. And... You know, it's, it was a process. You know, the, the thing with, with God's family was um, they, they interpreted it to be that they were God's chosen. You know, right. this always happens in my family around Mother's Day. Like, I'm mom's favorite. <laughs> I joke with them. I'm like, that's ridiculous. We don't like any of you people, you know. But, but we kind of like to think of ourselves as the favorite child. And, sure. and that's how God's people were. They were the favorite child because, you know, hey, we have an ark. We have a you know, flame and a, a cloud of smoke and all this stuff. And, and truly, those things were, were good, and they were chosen, but they were chosen to be the older brother, the older brother that would 
you know, help the younger siblings to learn God's ways. Uh, they were called to be a kingdom of priests. They were called to be prophets. You know, they were called to to serve in, in a way, and and they took took it to mean that they were some exclusive club that that they had some favor from God that the others didn't have. Uh, so instead of evangelizing like they could have, they kind of kept it in and, and kept it to themselves. Mm-hmm. So you see through the Old Testament all all of this happening and progressing along. Well, what's interesting, when you, you think about family, we, we talked briefly about the, the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In the beginning of Ephesians, he talks about this great mystery. The word mystery refers back to Daniel, the prophet Daniel, chapter 2, where Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, has this dream, and nobody can, can interpret it uh, but Daniel. It's, it's about these th- this beast made out of three metals, and it, it was really about four kingdoms that were going to persecute God's people. Okay, uh, it was the the Babylonians, which you know that was who Nebuchadnezzar was. It was the Medo Persians, then the Greeks, and then the Romans. It was about these these tribes or these countries that were going to persecute God's people in order to purify them. You know, because they, through the Old Testament, they really didn't want to hear what God had to say. They they were like wayward children. You know, sometimes think about your own children. You know, you, you want them to do something different, but one, they just don't want to hear it. They're not ready to hear it. They need to be they need to have a little life experience before they're able to receive that that teaching from from God or from the parent, uh, and and that's what this exile was the Babylonian captivity you know the the temple that Solomon built this was the glory of of the people of Israel was demolished completely downed uh, everything that had to do with the Jewish religion was was gone they had nothing uh, and then they went into captivity for 400 years I mean it was a, a long time of suffering um, so when you you see Jesus come onto the scene, What's interesting is some things haven't changed. There's the haves and the have-nots. You know, you have the the sinners and the tax collectors, and you have the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, the the people that that think they're God's chosen and, and have the wisdom of God, and then there's everybody else. But throughout the Old Testament, it was meant for those haves to be the older brother, and and they still didn't get it even in Jesus's time. Um, so, you know, you, you look at uh, the, like the beginning of uh, Luke 15, for example, where, you know, Jesus is talking about the two parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it looks at the heart of the father. The father wants his children. He's dying for his children. He is aching for his children. He's grieving for his children. So much so that, that Jesus comes on the scene and is willing to suffer and right. die because that's been the plan all along. You know, it gets to the point where the father's suffering. is He's grieving so much for his people that he's willing to do anything, even die for right. them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so as we're tying together the prodigal son, um, we we know that the the father is waiting for the son to come home, anxious, um, a- a- as we see in Scripture, running to meet him. Yeah. But but that but he's not going to force himself upon us. Absolutely. You know, when you think of free will, you know, why is there evil in the wo- in the world? Well, it's because there has to be a choice other than God. He he allows us to not choose him. Mm-hmm. We can choose evil as opposed to pure love, pure good. Uh, and so, because that choice is available. 
you know, we, we can cause great suffering to ourselves, to others. Uh, however, we can also be an instrument. You know, that, that's where evangelization comes in. You know, we, we talk about, and, and Father Geisler a month ago, if, if any of you have a chance to listen to his talk, it was fantastic. He was talking about being a part of God's plan and how, how amazing it is that, that we, little old us, can be used. I mean, who am I that my Lord would choose to work, would choose to come to another person, would choose to reach out to another person through my hands? It's, it's, it's uh, the prayer of Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours, right. no hands, no feet on earth but yours. I mean, what an honor it is for us to be able to, to serve God in that way and reach out. And he does use us in a heart that's willing and submitted. Well, that's the point. You got to be willing. Yes. And and the second thing is you can't as the heart that's willing, you have to know for certain that you may not know what the fruits of those labors are. You know, exactly. I, there is a there was a guy in our men's group who who was a convert. Uh, he was a Protestant and he told us how he became a Catholic. He was at Princeton on a rugby team with another one of his good buddies. The, the, these two guys were great buddies and he was his name was Noah. And Noah was a Jew, um, maybe an atheist. Uh, yes, he was an atheist, and um, but a Jewish atheist, which is a sort of a contradiction. And they had Tim, who was a uh, Protestant, and uh, he ran in. They both collectively ran into a guy at at this university who was Catholic, who knew his faith, really knew his faith, and and he drew them in. I, you know what. To this day, I don't know who that man is, but I do know this. My, my buddy Tim was in our men's group. He's a great Catholic. His family is whole Catholic. His children are Catholic. And Noah is a priest in this archdiocese, and he was Jewish. So I, don't, I, I, I think it's fair to say that man who brought the faith to these people by the example of his life and his open testimony bore all kinds, all kinds of fruit that he probably has no idea. Idea about yeah, and you know what? I went to mass on Friday with that priest with Father and, Noah. Yes, and received <laughs> communion. So I've been blessed. By so that. I am telling the truth. Yes, absolutely, there is a Father Noah here. I don't. I've lost track of him. He used to be at yeah. at uh, Saint Albans, Saint Martin of Tours. He's at Saint Martin of yeah. Tours. Oh, I'd South love to City. see him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful priest. He's such a good man. We, we never know the fruit. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I look at my own story. My uh, I was raised Catholic, but my, my dad was Methodist. My mom was nominally Catholic. So I received First Communion. But when you get to those teenage years, Mass is, quote, boring. So I, I didn't want to go, and my dad really wasn't going to make me go, and my mom wasn't strong enough to make me go. So I stopped going probably around 12 or 13 years old. I was a senior in high school. A friend of mine went on a Catholic retreat in the fall of my senior year, and I, I asked him, matter of fact, in passing, how was the retreat? And he said, it was great. You're going on one in, in March. Uh-huh. March of my senior year in high school, I go and I had this profound experience. It was a Catholic retreat. Uh, I had no idea about the sacraments, the church, uh, but I knew that there was a God and I knew he existed. I, I knew he wanted to be a part of my life. And that was, that was key. The second part was there was a, a man on my table. He was a kid. We were all kids at that time, seniors in high school, uh, who had a good faith. He, his family really loved the church. Uh, and he gave me a book on the Eucharist. 
and it, it ignited a fire of love for the Mass. Um, I can say his name on radio. His name is Dr. Tim Gray. Can you And imagine? he runs the Augustine Institute that in, incredible? In, um, in Denver, Colorado. You know, the, God has a plan. We have no idea what the plan is. No clue. He gave me a book. It, it wasn't like he gave me a big, long sermon or an exposition on, on the faith or anything. He just gave me a book on the Eucharist. And that was all that needed to happen in order to ignite what God had planned all along. Yeah. And then he went on to College of St. Francis and had uh, classes with Scott Hahn. And I mean, just one thing after another, you know, we, we just don't know the plan, but we can trust that he has a bigger plan and we're, we're a small part of it. But however, his plan depends on our yes. You know, you look at the Blessed Mother, all, all it took for her was, be it done unto me according to your word. And, and God took it from there and, and did amazing but things. But she was open. She was, she was open, open to the idea. Yes. That's yes. right. This is Saint, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're on live talking about everyday evangelization with Dr. Brian Gossard. And uh, everyday evangelization, Our Lady, is not actually the everyday occurrence. <laughs> but you know what? What she manifests for us is her Yes. Right? Our, our Lord will use us, but we have to say yes. We have to say yes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, she, she has a, let's say, a singular yes. You know, her yes is a little different than ours because ours is a much more sinful, okay, fine. You know, yeah. hers is a, a wholehearted yes. However, you know, even though our yes is different, God still honors that and God can still do amazing things through that. Uh, it's just a heart submitted, a heart willing to do what God wants. You know, if if you get up this morning and make it your prayer every morning, Lord, I just help me to know, strengthen my faith. Help me to to say yes to you. Help me to reach out to others, whatever that means. If it's a smile, if it's a pulling over and helping somebody that's broken down alongside the road, whatever it is, you know, saying hello to somebody as you're walking out of mass, uh, I, I think when we look at those little things, it, it's all about doing small things with great love, like Mother Teresa said. It's not about doing the big major things. It's the small things with great love that make more of a difference than you can imagine. And you're meeting people where they're at. And, and you know, realistically, in the days we are passing here in the Saint Archdiocese of St. Louis, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. But the one thing there shouldn't be any, uh, any uncertainty about is that our job as baptized Christians, Catholics, is to evangelize, right? And when we talk about Catholics, we generally tend to be the more quiet type. I guess that's our reputation. And maybe, maybe well-earned, but not well-earned for a long time. I mean, quite frankly, we evangelized the world. We literally took the great command to go and spread the gospel throughout the world, literally, and, and did it. And we still do. But it's not only the job of the people who have habits and robes and collars and pointy hats. It's all of us. As long as we say, Lord, I'm open to that idea, he'll, make, he'll do the rest. Right. Well, here's the good thing about it. When you've been baptized, you've been baptized priest, prophet, and king. Yeah. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're in the state of grace, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is who does the heavy lifting. All you got to do is open your mouth or... Extend your hand. I mean, 
the Holy Spirit is going to anoint and, and do what you can't do. I mean, there, there is no way you can change hearts and change souls. That That's well above our pay grade. But if we're willing to love God and say yes, the Holy Spirit can work through us. And, and that's comforting because, you know, it's, it's a daunting task. And you mentioned St. Louis. It's, we're, we're facing some church closings. We're facing some, some real issues. And there was a video that I saw recently by Bishop Barron yes. that a good friend of mine sent to me. And it was profound in that if we could all make it our goal this year to invite one family back to church— we know who they are. I mean, how many how many families do we know that have, have left? They're no longer there for one reason or another. Maybe they, they had problems with X, Y, or Z, or this scandal or that scandal or, or something else. Uh, COVID had, had a real profound impact on the church, you know, so people don't want to come back for that reason. What, whatever it is, you know these people. And, and Bishop Barron encouraged and challenged his diocese to to bring one family back to church this year. Yeah. Um, we, we tend to try and leave it to the clerics to do that, but the clerics don't know these families. They don't know their specific needs. Um, hey, doctor, you said something that piqued my interest. First off, Bishop Barham said not only did this particular couple that he knows do it, but he they have been doing it. And every year at Easter, they're the sponsor for another Catholic. Can you imagine that if we all did that? We would double the size of our church in no time. But but, but I think the, the, the thing that made me think about what you were saying is there are more fallen away Catholics in this country than all of the Protestant denominations combined. Right. It's low-hanging fruit. And there's so many misconceptions. People think that they can't go back to church, that they're not welcome in church. And it's our job to do it. Look, I'll, I'll make it personal. My, my, my uh, parents were divorced. And my mom thought uh, that she was not welcome in church anymore. She thought because she was divorced, she was no longer allowed to go to communion anymore. And, and it, it, it was a, a profound sorrow on her heart. And I remember when I took her to church, it was my birthday. It was the Feast of the Assumption. And, and just going to church with my mom, who was longing for it so much, you finally convinced her that this is, you know, she's not doing anything sinful. It was like, it was like being in heaven on earth. I mean, her face glowed. And, right. and then in her old age, people would bring communion to her. And it was, it was such a great joy. Look, there are so many misconceptions. People are literally right. dying. They're heartbroken to come back to church. A kind word, welcome them back. Tell them we miss you. Come back home. We'll, we'll, we'll be the best Christmas present you can ever give them. Right. Well, it, it involves a response from us. You know, how are we living our faith? You know, we right. have to look at that. Uh, do we understand our faith? I mean, there's, there's a lot of catechetical need for all of us. You know, listening to programs like this is one thing. There's podcasts. There's books. I mean, there are all different kinds of ways that you can understand your faith better. But I think we never can stop learning. We always can do better in that. But But the second part is, are we kind? You know, are we yeah, living it? Right. You know, because nobody is going to be attracted to a faith if we're not living it. If we're kicking the dog and scowling and mean and, well, that's not attractive to anyone. So, and I I look at that myself, you know, that, that calls me to greater holiness because there are days when, let's say, I'm a little tired or a little grouchy and I, I'm not living my best faith. So we, we just, we have to start over. We have to go to confession and... Uh, 
you know, and ask God for more graces. Well, and it's me too. You know, I, I got to tell you, I wrote an email last night and it, it was a scowling, scathing email. I'm upset about something. And talked to a couple of buddies of mine in, in my men's group this morning about it. And I, I, I said, uh, you know, after thinking about it and talking to these guys, I'm going to put a little more fire in it, you know. And, and But that's my inclination. That's what I want to do. But is it effective, you know? Part of it is humility. Part of it is getting right with our Lord and bringing. I I I won't tell the story now, but I went to confession one one time. I was in the process of going to do something really bad, but he deserved it. And <laughs> and the, of the, course he did. The, he did. He does. And the, but the priest said, "Your penance is to bring the love of Jesus Christ to that man." And and it's his words. This priest who I'll never see again. I don't even know what his name is. But he imparted that to me. In everything we do, in every interaction we have, our first, middle, and last goal is to bring the love of Jesus Christ to them. One of the great gifts of the Spirit that we don't talk about enough is joy. Having a joyful heart. It's contagious. It really is. Mm-hmm. And and you know what, doctor? We could probably win an argument with any Protestant out there about any Catholic subject in the world, but unless we bring joy in the love of Jesus Christ, then we haven't done a thing. Your your joy may be the only gospel that anyone hears. Yeah. And we don't know. I mean, that that one kind word, somebody goes off and dies, and that that's the last thing that they ever heard. We, we just don't know what God has in store for the words. You know, we, we need to to use our words carefully and, and realize that they're powerful, that God can use that, uh, those actions, those words. We have an impact on others around us. Others are always watching us. And that, that's a little scary sometimes because, you know, I, I don't like the fact that somebody's watching every little thing that I do. But it has an impact on them. You know, if, if I'm being nice to the person and, and I don't think anybody's watching, somebody really is. Somebody's and it's watching. having an impact on them. A, we can have an impact on people we don't even realize. A kind word, joy. So we are always evangelizing. Remember, if we say no, God will say no. It won't, won't force us. But I am telling you, if you have an openness to it, God will make it work. God will make it work. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying, I used to have a very closed heart. I mean, it was me and God, and that was it. And I went to Mass. I, I might have been periods of time going to Mass every day, but I, I didn't open my mouth. And, and if I felt like I should, I didn't. And then I'd regret it. But ever since, I made that. Do you remember the scripture verse? It says, uh, um, if you are embarrassed of me before men, I will be embarrassed of you before the Father. I heard that for real for the first time, I don't know how many years ago, and I thought, that's not going to be me. I want Jesus to advocate for me. There is, and what, what's stopping me? Why, why wouldn't I want to share the good news with, with anybody and everyone? Right. It's a great thing. If you knew a good restaurant, would you tell a friend? Right. You know, the, uh, the thing that I thought, Mother Angelica in her book, she, she said, I'm not afraid of going to hell because I, I know God's going to save me. <laughs> but what, what am I most afraid of? I'm most afraid of standing before God and God saying, Angelica, this is what we could have accomplished yeah. had you said yes. Yeah. You know, so we can't be afraid <clears throat> to say yes. We've we got to just throw our, ourselves into the arms of Jesus and say, okay, Lord, 
I believe you can do great things through me. I don't, I don't know how I can cooperate, but I need you to heal me. I need to f- need this and that and, and all the kinds of things to help. But I know you can do it. Let's see what we can do together. I think we should see what we can do together. Today's program is Everyday Evangelization. I'm Peter Karutz, your host today, and I'm with Dr. Brian Gossard. And he is, and we didn't even talk about who you are. You're an obstetrician. You are bringing children into the world. It's a good thing to do this time of year as we contemplate Christmas. But for your homework at this point, it's time to evangelize. Call a friend, tap a friend, tell them that it's time to turn on this radio and really consider our mission as baptized Catholic Christians to spread the world, to spread the word, the Great Commission. Spread the gospel throughout the whole world. And yes, we're going to use words right now. Call a friend. Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea. A St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And we're back. Uh, This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we're on the radio live with Dr. Brian Gossard. He is an obstetrician bringing children into the world uh, every other day. Uh, Approximately. Approximately. I get get invited to a lot of birthday parties. Yeah, I bet. So you probably are up early or to bed late. A lot of quiet time with the Lord, isn't it? It's, It's wonderful. I never mind getting up in the middle of the night to go deliver a baby. Well, let me tell you something else we might do. Uh, a couple of things. Um, my, my daughter, when she was in college, was uh, the president of the, um, the Life Club, and she wound up putting together a couple of busloads and going to the March for Life. Well, look, the March for Life continues. It is not over. Nothing really has changed because we still have to change hearts and minds. So if you're thinking about it, I'll tell you, my wife and my daughter went in the same year. It was an incredible experience. It's January 19, 20, and 21. And if you would like to go with a group here from St. Louis, uh, you can um, get more information at 
uh, Missouri Life Caravan. I'm going to say that again. That's all one word. MissouriLifeCaravan.org or Google it. That's what I usually do. Here's a phone number. 314-434-4900. And uh, I'll give you an email. mrl.eastern at yahoo.com. You'll never remember all of this. Tell you what. Call us at 636-447-6000. We'll be happy to tell you more about it. Uh, Also, next Saturday at St. Norbert's is, best way I can call it, is a um, Eucharistic Congress. Um, There's going to be uh, a mass at 3.30 in the afternoon, but it starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, There are three speakers. Uh, Bishop Carlson, Bishop Emeritus Carlson will be there. Monsignor Midas, who is an absolute treasure. So it's a half day of reflection, I guess we would call it, half day of reconciliation. Reflection is a better word. Um, But you were talking about the Eucharist before. The Eucharist is the is the source and summit of our faith. It is what we, uh, what brings life to our being and life to the church. So think about it. It's at St. Norbert's. If you want to make a reservation, please call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. You could also get more information about the Missouri Life Caravan as well. So those are, those are my announcements. Uh, also, those are opportunities for evangelization. The one, you're actually going out and being a witness. The other one is we have to prepare ourselves, too, to evangelize, right? We have to prepare ourselves. Uh, doctor, I see something on your uh, desk here in front of you. What in the world is that? Well, I, it's something that I, I carry with me, especially for any speaking things, but it's, it's my baptismal certificate. I, I keep this, and I look at it, and uh, I treasure it because it's a reminder of where things all began for me. You know, yeah. I, I, as you mentioned before, Peter, I deliver babies in a in a very natural <clears throat> sense, and I don't I don't mean this in a in a negative sense, but from a natural sense, all of us are born stillborn. Oh, okay, right. we don't have God's life in us yeah. until we're baptized. Right. Okay. Now I know there's yeah there's other situations and I, extraordinary I don't cause, circumstances. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't want to cause harm or injury to people that have have lost a child. You know what I'm saying? But but when we really think about it, our life as Christians begins at the moment we're baptized. That's when God claims us as His child, where God fills us with His grace and gives us that that supernatural life. It's a life that. We don't deserve. We never earned. Uh, and, and that's why I love looking at this, because what, what had I done at less than a month old to merit? I, I wasn't some gum-chewing obstetrician. I wasn't some speaker on Catholic radio. I was just a little baby that yeah. had done nothing had merited nothing. And yet God freely reached down, stooped down, and lifted this little baby up and said, this child is mine. That's right. And, you know, I look at that because it's a reminder that I don't have to do anything to earn God's love. Um, There's nothing I can do to earn God's love Mm. except be thankful. You know, that that's the response that God wants. It's it's um, one, one of my favorite passages in scriptures from Luke 17, where it's the cleansing of the 10 lepers. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, he says, go and wash, go to the present yourself to the priests. And on their way, they're cleansed. The one comes back and falls at his feet. And all he could do is just say, thank you, you know. And and Jesus says, hey, you know, where are the other nine? You know, ten were cleansed. Were they not? And he, he gets it. You know, the, the response that, that we need to have for God so often is just simply thank you. 
That's all he wants. I mean, what does God really need from us? He doesn't need our well, worship. We, we can, he doesn't. There is nothing good we can do or or we can give God. Yeah. I mean, it, it all came from Him in the first place. Right. There is really only one thing that we can give God that is truly our own. Yeah, our sin, and He's the one who can free us from it. So it, it is, and we can also say thank you too. I mean, I think that's absolutely right. Those two things. The thing that I find interesting is most people know the word, the Greek word for to give thanks, right? It's Eucharisto. Right. So when we go to Mass, it's really the greatest form of thanksgiving we could ever give to God. And we don't give anything. Jesus gives himself. You know, the, 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 he's the offering. He's the priest, the, you know, the offering everything. as well. He's everything yeah. there at Mass. And then we can be, as I always say, shorthanded, be the one. Be the one to go and give thanks. We, yeah. we always pray for thanks, but be the one to go and give thanks. Right. And then everything we do is really an outpouring of that thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's like go and it's at the end of the Mass. Go and give thanks to the Lord. You know, go and serve the Lord. It's as an expression of our thanksgiving yeah. that we go and serve and evangelize. That's right. That's right. And, and again, we're talking about having an openness. Uh, I, I was... Uh, uh, telling somebody at one point in time, I used to travel a great deal. Now I travel a little bit, I guess. But I would say I have never gone on a trip and not talked, not spoken about faith. And, and I haven't brought it up, you know. I, I, it just doesn't happen. I think there's an openness and God, God makes it work. I remember one time I was coming home. I had just said that to somebody. And I said, you know, I'm going to make a trip here to this little town. And I'm just coming back in one day and every single time. And I remember falling asleep on the plane and um, as we're, we're coming in to, to landing, I woke up, and it kind of came to mind. I said, I've been gone a day and a half. I didn't talk about faith. And I thought, and, and, and as that thought is going through my mind, the guy next to me said, you're Catholic, aren't you? <laughs> God will make it work. God will make it work. It isn't something you have to do, as you're saying. It's yeah. something that God does something that God does. Right. Yeah. And, and one more word about baptism. It is one of those things that I think some people struggle with mightily, especially our Protestant brothers and sisters. Uh, why are we baptizing children? Well, well, we do all kinds of good things for our children. And um, if we have something great and wonderful, don't we want to share it with our children? Right. In the Acts of the Apostles, it talks about entire families right. joining the faith, you know, and, right. and it was presumed that, that children would be as well. I, I think it's been the, in the history of the church, you know, and tradition of the church that, um, that children were baptized. Um, you know, because really, like I said, what has a seven-year-old done to merit Becoming part of God's family. It's a free gift. Right. If it's a free gift at age 7 or age 20 or, you know, when the Ethiopian eunuch receives baptism in in the Acts of the Apostles, how is it any different from, you know, an infant? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, our Lord said, let the children come to me. We know that he was interested in the children. We we, we know that for sure. And look, Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, for goodness sakes. How did the Jews come into covenant with the with with God, right? It was through circumcision when they were eight days old. Right, right. It is a tradition to bring children into the family of God, if you will. Uh, he he made them, he created them, and we give them back. We give them back. Right, absolutely. Um, just aside, I, I was I was 
it was a long time before I got baptized. I was baptized at over just over a year old. Um, my my mother is an immigrant, and um, well, so is my father actually. We both are, <clears throat> but uh, we went. They went back to Mexico. Um, my father's German, my mother's Mexican, and I was baptized in Mexico when I was a year old. And consequently, all of my records are in this little church in, in Mexico. So when I got married, I got special permission in this long document to get married. But baptism is the source of our charge to go and to evangelize. Let's talk about the church. <coughs> we alluded to it a moment ago that half the, not half, but more than the majority of Christians out there are non-practicing Catholics. But they're, we're coming up to a time of year where we're going to have a lot of folks coming to church who haven't been there, oh, let's say so very often. You're going to see people you don't know in church. How about saying hi? Welcome them. You know, I have a tradition of uh, at Mass, I try and find somebody that I don't know somewhere around me, and I thank them for... Sh- I tell them it was great to share Mass with you today. You know, that one word might get them to come back the following Sunday. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. We, we have the Easter and, and Christmas Catholics that, that come a lot. I, I think this year, because COVID has, has not been present, I think we'll see a lot of them back. I think so. We haven't for the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. How, how we respond to them really can set them off or attract them. You know, and, and it's really just allowing the Holy Spirit to work. We're not talking them into coming back, but we can really be in the way of God's plan. I mean, we, we can screw it up for God uh, quite easily. I mean, just uh, hold up the Bible timeline here, and, and here's an example of how it took them a lot longer to get things right because they continued to do it their way. So maybe this year we make some different choices. Maybe this year we, we choose to reach out. Um, you know, I don't know what that is. Maybe you could have a little prayer card that you could give to someone that says, hey, we are so grateful you're back, you're loved, we want you here every week, and we'll continue to pray for you no matter what your decision. Very good. Yeah, great idea. And, and you know what? Giving somebody something to take away to help remember what was going on is also important. In my car, I have I have little little. Uh, round medals of Our Lady, and I also have this little square medal with a bunch of holes in it, and it's the old Eastern Jesus prayer, uh, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, yeah. right? Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Right. And and it's profound, it's simple, it's, it's welcoming. Everybody could need it or want it, but leaving something with somebody sometimes can make a, a huge, huge difference. You have no idea. It may be June, and this falls out of somebody's book, and they see it, and it the Spirit touches them in a way you can't even imagine. It, all, all it took was just handing them a little card and saying, hey, we miss you, thinking about you, glad you're here. And next June, you got somebody walking into church that had a profound experience. Sure. Simple things and big things. So here, here's another thing. How about, for the more adventurous, how about going on down your block, knocking on every door, saying hello to every one of your neighbors. For one, they're going to be happy to see you, right? They're going to say, boy, it was nice of you to come by and say hi, right? But maybe make it uh, with a purpose in mind and say, you know, I, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm a Catholic, and uh, like they probably already know already, but I, I go to Ascension or Assumption, and I go to Incarnate Word, and... Um, 
if, if you don't have a place to worship, you, you should consider going there. What is the possibility of those people going if you didn't invite them? And what is the possibility of them going if they're invited? Some people really are just dying to go. You mentioned there's going to be more people coming. I think there's a pent-up demand, not only for COVID, but there's a pent-up demand in our heart. People who have grown up Catholic and left the church have a longing. They're missing it. And yeah. you could spark that fire again to be lit in them. Yeah, or how about this? How about your, your nephew or your niece at Christmas dinner that you know is not going to Mass anymore? Um, you know, I, we, we've got a bunch of, of them that we love. You know, they, they know we love them. You know, so there, there's, there's a relationship always. The, the one challenge with, with kind of random evangelization or even street evangelization like that is there may not be quite the same relationship yeah. if you don't know them as well. Right. But somebody in your family that you know is not going to church you have a relationship with them. And if it's done in a tasteful way, I mean, you're, you're not beating them over the head with the faith. You're just saying, hey, you know, how come you're not going to church? What's going on? It opens up the door for a dialogue, you know, and, and that's one of the other things that was on that Bishop Barron uh, video. You know, he talks about, you know, ha- having a, a discussion with people. I, I, th- I think that's that's one thing we're afraid to do, you know, is is I mean, I think the church really has honest answers to a lot of these questions that people have. There is no reason the church has to be afraid of atheistic questions, of, you know, X, Y, or Z questions. So there's a lot of misconceptions out there that that our young people have, that our family members have. If we can open up a discussion, and, and that doesn't mean you have every answer. Maybe you say, hey, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Let me find out and I'll get back to you. Well, you've opened up a line of communication that could be an avenue that God could use yeah. to, to bring this person back to the church. My brother has fallen away from the faith, and we usually have Christmas dinner at his house uh, every year. And I, every year I, I talk to him, I, I you know, take him aside privately, and I say, would it be all right? Because I know he doesn't. I say, would it be all right if we said grace? And, uh, and then he says, well, of course. And, and, and then we go and we say grace, and then he, he makes fun of me for a few minutes. A- and you know what? It's good, right? It's good because we're talking about our Lord. We've brought him into the room. So simple things. Now, if you have had a family tradition where you get together with folks and you don't say grace, that's an easy, welcoming uh, introduction to, uh, for the Lord to come into, the, into your midst. So, you know, say to, you, say to the host, would it be all right if we say, and maybe even privately, would it be all right if we say grace? Or I usually say grace. Could we say grace? All of a sudden, you are talking about it. Step one, open their hearts. Step two, God is flowing in. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, um, and we are live talking about everyday evangelization with Dr. Brian Gossard. Um, So pray at meals. Can't go wrong there. Absolutely not. We're talking about praying at Christmas. Praying meals, at Christmas yeah. meals. Or Absolutely. praying at any meals, really. Praying at any meal. Uh, I, I was at a, um, I don't know, what, what was it? A, some, some sort of a, a restaurant. I don't remember what it was. Uh, honestly, I was with my daughters and my wife. They were younger. And we just said grace, as we always do. And, and a couple with three children came over in the middle of our meal, and they said, we saw you say grace. That was really nice. Yeah. I mean, the silent witness is almost 
yeah. something that you really shouldn't waste. Right. How about that? Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, <laughs> use words. Yeah. Well, we're using a lot of words, but part of it is how you, you live your life. What, yeah. What's that old song? Uh, they all know we are Christians by our love, right? Boy, I can hear the guitar playing right now. I can, too. <laughs> I can, too. I can, too. Um, I had uh, a friend talk about the yearning in our heart. I had a fr- I, I, everybody remembers Hurricane Katrina, I imagine, but... Uh, during Hurricane Katrina, I was out of town constantly for weeks on end, and I was traveling with this client who turned out to be a very strong Christian, and he, uh, and we're gone on weekends. He would come to Mass with me, and we'd talk about faith a lot, and at, at some points in time, I would tell him, you know, Randy, you're not Methodist. You're Catholic. No, 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 I'm Methodist. And he says, well, everything you talk about, everything you say is Catholic. No, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong. I go to the, the biggest mega, mega church in the Southwest, and my pastor is Methodist, and, and this is what he teaches. I said, well, I'm telling you, Randy, I know what the Methodists believe, and I know what you're saying. And Anyway, one day he comes to me, and he says, uh, my, our, our, our church is in an uproar. My pastor left. I said, oh, well, that's terrible. I found out why he left. He became Catholic. So you know, it's written on people's hearts. Yeah. Bring it up. Don't be afraid. People are looking for it. Half the people you talk to are more than half. If they're not already Catholic, they were. Yeah. You know, I, I think, too, if, if we change our focus a little bit, if we change our focus to loving others rather than converting others, right. that makes a huge difference. You right. know, I, I, because of my office practice, I mean, I, I come in contact. I have a large number of Catholics that come to me because of my pro-life stance, but I have non-denominational Christians. I have Jewish people. I have Hindus. And I always say, if I can help them to be a better Hindu or a better Jew or if, and they're helping me to be a better Catholic mm-hmm. by doing this. If I'm loving them, God will work out the details. You know, God will put it on their heart if, if they're meant to convert. But, but I think sometimes if we go into it trying to force something to happen, people sense that a mile away. You know, I, I don't want that. Well, but they, they sense genuine love. You know, if right. you're genuinely loving them with the love of Christ, I mean, we know that Jesus has the fullness of truth, and we know that the Catholic Church has the fullness of the truth. We don't have to necessarily argue that. We, we can love people and encourage them. I, I had a, a great conversation with a patient yesterday uh, who's not Catholic, but we were talking about Luther's view on justification and how, you know, it was more of a legal imputation, you know, where— it's basically God gives us his righteousness and we give him our sins in more of a legal exchange rather than really transforming us. You know, he, the Catholic Church teaches that because this is God dealing with us, he says, Brian is clean and I baptize in him. And he's one of the family. He's justified and completely part of the family, not just kind of cleansed a little bit and, you know, presentable. You know, but I was talking to this patient about that and she she just had a really profound experience of, wow, yeah, I never thought of it that way. And who knows? Who knows God? what, what God has in store yeah, for her family? Right. And, and that, I'm not diminishing the, the, the need to know your um, apologetics. You yes, know, what, what right. did Luther say? We're dung just covered with snow, right. and uh, Catholics and the church teaches that we're transformed into yes. new... Tra- so it's new profound, creatures. right? But unless we're hitting the heart, it's not going to do any good. My 
anniversary is the 4th of July. So we went with some friends and they said, well, this is the best place to watch um, fireworks. So we set up some chairs. We went off, had dinner. We came back and the place is mobbed now. And and turns out there's a lot of Christians there, no Catholics, but people we know through different um, aspects of our life. And it was so crowded by this point that my wife and I couldn't even sit together. And the guy next to me saw saw that I was wearing a crucifix, and he says, you know, I used to be Catholic. And, you know, oh, my wheels are turning now, so, right? I said, well, give me your main reason why you're not Catholic. And uh, and he, he says, well, you know, because I know Mary had other children, the Bible says. So I said, so I start <laughs> arguing with, and I start, I start saying, okay, so let's, we all believe in the Bible, we all believe in Scripture, and I start, I start walking him through Scripture as to why this is not what he thinks it is, and I stop at a moment. I said, I said, wait a minute, if I explain to you through Scripture that objection is wrong, will it make a difference? He says, no. You know, you can't argue people into the church, you can love them into the church. Right. And that's, that's, doctor, you keep saying it, and he keeps to mind. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to be prepared to ask a question. First Peter 3.15, have, have a sure answer, have an answer to the sure hope that's in you. Have an answer. Be ready. But love first. Right. Lo- love is what's going to make the transformation. Why is that? Because God is love. That's right. God is who does it. It's not us. If we think we're the one changing hearts and minds, forget about it. Go home and go back to bed. Because you're done. Maybe the best theologian we've had, we've had a couple of good ones with John Paul, but St. Benedict, uh, uh, Pope Benedict was maybe one of the greatest theologians we've had in in our modern times. A brilliant, brilliant man. He is a head guy, he thinks. But what was his first book? What was, as Pope, his first encyclical? Deus Caritas, as God is love. We have to come to our relationships with love and caring. Right. Well, you know, the in God's essence, his essence is love. And what's, what's weird about it is love doesn't make sense. Love is irrational. Why, why did God create all of this? Why are we here? It's ridiculous. We hurt God. We, he doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need anything about us. But he chooses to do it anyway. Why? Because it's his nature. Love gives itself away. And that's, that's it. You know, and and it, it doesn't get any more profound than that. Uh, it, it's irrational. The, the most rational being in, it's ever been, that ever is and ever will be, is irrational. And let's keep being irrational. We are <laughs> coming up to this interesting time where we're going to be gathering with family. One of the greatest ways we'll have to evangelize is to evangelize with forgiveness. There are going to be people, there are going to be people that you encounter, your family, who have, have grudges, who, who you have done wrong or they have done wrong to you. But one of the greatest forms of evangelization evangelization is exactly that. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. The first saint, if you will, on the cross said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus forgave him, even at the last. St. Desmond stole his way into heaven. He was the greatest (laughs) thief in history, according to Fulton Sheen. That's right. He was. So you go out, evangelize. Do it through forgiveness. Do it through your patience. But most of all... Do it through spreading the love of Jesus Christ to everyone you meet. 
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank <laughs> you.